Hello, and welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name's Lubitsa, this is Adam, and the reason we're starting off real quiet is because it's about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're outside, we're recording some night sounds for you guys out on our porch, and, uh, you know, we talked about parasocial relationships last episode, so I think we should take it to the next level, which as far as like recordings goes, I think is getting like quasi-sexual with some <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> so we'll be whispering. We also have some champagne, <laughs> or actually it's a crema that we're going to pop. So you can uh, sit back, relax, and let us take, take you on a journey. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay no. so we're gonna talk totally normal, but um, yeah, I thought it would be a good way to get people into the zone. Okay, cool. That it's late, it's Friday night, and... We're on our porch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's asleep, probably. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully there are some good Texas critter sounds. Oops. Or just me kicking the mic stand sounds. <laughs> stand back a little bit when you open it from the mic. Okay. This will be loud. Yeah, I'm sure. I can do it. No, I can do it. Here, hold this. Okay, ready? That resounded. <laughs> think you can hear that it's spilling and Lubitsa is trying to. <laughs> Suck it down. I told you this is going to get sexual. Okay. This is Texas, so we hear gunshots sometimes. Yeah, so. this. Yeah, people be fine with this because they'll just assume we're actually shooting off a gun. I think they'd probably be more disappointed to find out that it's not a gun. Yeah. Okay. A little more. Yeah. Looking good. So what are we going to talk about this week? Well, first we'll do some recommendations. Yeah. By the way, this, uh, what kind of Cremant did we get? It's from the Loire Valley, right? Oh, I think, yeah. It's at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's a pretty decent one. Yeah. Based on the little bit of a taste I got when I had to quickly <laughs> try to save it. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Uh, my recommendation is for, I think it might be the, well, it's not the newest episode of The Dig anymore, probably. The one about Russia with, uh, mm. yeah, you Sean said you wanted from, to recommend that. Yeah. Sean from Sean's Russia blog, I think. Right. Yeah. It's a really good, um, look into the way Russia works. Oh. Gets, um, a lot more detail, a deeper dive than anything else I've heard. Like, What's it like had like the a best of, insight you got. Probably the way that, like Sean said that I don't know his last name so I'll just call him Sean he said that Russia doesn't really have oligarchs in his opinion because when you think of an oligarch you think of somebody who's calling the shots in the government Mm -hmm. but really even though the government might help out Putin's favorite oligarchs in terms of getting money they Mm -hmm. have absolutely no say in the government Mm. and what happened was when so I think most people know like when they liberalized in the 90s a lot of people got rich through like ill means Right. They, yeah. They basically did up, like, primitive the, accumulation yeah. and seized the like national assets for themselves through a few different means like but so when Putin got power, he basically got them all in a room and said, "Look, we all know how you got this money, mm-hmm. but we're not going to relitigate the past. So if you just go along with what I want, there won't be any problems." 
and the ones who didn't give him any problems were fine and the ones who did <laughs> he used the yeah. state to you know crush them yeah, yeah. so i think that was the best insight hmm. They're like the most surprising insight too. But there's yeah. a lot of other stuff about how the state works, how people there, you know, feel, um, how they see their role in the world. A lot of stuff about how Russia in the West occupies this weird place where for some people it's the last defender of Western identity from, you know, e the East because it's right on the edge of Europe and Asia. But for other people it's this Oriental power where like they need a strong dictator because they're Asian. Mm. You know, all those cliches come yeah, into play. Yeah. So either you're a liberal and you think they're not like us, or you're a conservative and you think they're holding up Western identity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And well, there's yeah. other stuff about how the church plays in and everything, too. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Our vet once told us that she thought that people, like, in other parts of the world just couldn't handle democracy or something yeah. like that <laughs> in a way that made it sound like she thinks their like brains are inferior or yeah something. i don't know it was very weird yeah i think it's she's like, kind uh, of a left-wing conspiracy type of person we've met a few so? of those in texas like the people who run the farm that's sort true. of bending our ear about um anti-vaxxing yeah. yeah okay hello podcast listeners i'm coming to you from the future um yeah, I'm uh, recording this a little bit later than when we recorded the actual episode because my recommendation sort of expired. So my recommendation is to keep a kitchen notebook where you take notes on your various experimentations in the kitchen. Um, it's Sunday and uh, we, well I, have spent most of the day fermenting things. We're, we've made tapache, which is this pineapple chili fermented drink, garlic fermented miso, uh, sauerkraut, pickles, and we're making kimchi right now, actually. And um, for a lot of those, I have one jar going with like the basic recipe and then another one that has some experimentation in terms of flavor. So it's really nice to take note of how much we used and what we used to make it. So like we can know in the future, if we like it, uh, how to reproduce that. I grew up with a mom who did a lot of experiments cooking in the kitchen. And whenever me and my dad would be like, oh my God, mom, this is so good. Like you should make it like this again. She'd be like, oh, I have literally no idea how to do that. So um, this is a really cool, simple way to you know, be able to reproduce the things that you make in the kitchen if you actually like what you're making. So just get a notebook out that you probably already have, put it in a drawer in your kitchen, and start taking notes when you start experimenting with your food. So yeah, so I guess we should like get into it. There's um, a YouTube controversy. Oh. Uh, Damn. It's probably okay. Yeah. I mean, it'll just be kind of an annoying background noise. Well, I mean, these are the sounds of night in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> air conditioning is a key part of being able to live in this <laughs> yeah. godforsaken state. An air conditioner turned on in the background, so it might yeah. be a little annoying, but it'll it'll go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically... Oh, there's, there's the train. That's uh, a yeah. good background sound. Yeah. A night train. Night train, yeah. yeah. That's a good song by James Brown. Little known James Brown song. Oh, okay. Adam loves the oldies. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so there's this, basically there's a lot of beauty bloggers on YouTube, or vloggers, I guess, and um, they're, I think if you like don't, aren't into makeup or... They're called beauty influencers. Yes, and that it's, was, the, it's called the beauty community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, I think that if you're not into makeup, you could go on YouTube and like never encounter this. But if you are, if you look up like one makeup video, you will instantly be like bombarded with these names and faces. Right. So like for me, um, I guess one thing I want to say is like, I hate the way these people do makeup. <laughs> Get a I really hate the way these people do makeup, or, or, or really strongly dislike. It just really doesn't jive with my personal beauty philosophy, yeah. <laughs> which is that like makeup is here to accentuate your features, but not to like cover them up or rewrite them. Yeah. Um, and I think that when people use makeup that way, it leads to that sort of uncanny valley everyone totally. looks the same kind of vibe yeah you can see looks that look good on the phone or on instagram that then you see like a cashier at the store did yeah it. uh you know like a 19 year old adam's who's become aware blocks. of this because of me and then he'll occasionally <laughs> be like oh my god did you see those eyebrows <laughs> yeah because the eyebrows always look the most unreal yeah because it looks when they're good. drawn on. Yeah, it looks good on the phone when it's, like, really strong and sculpted and flat. Yeah, like on Instagram, it looks good. Yeah, but in real life, it yeah, it gets you too far away from what human looks like a yeah. little bit. One yeah. step too far. And also, everyone, I mean, I think, like, it's really clear with all of these YouTubers that we're going to talk about, their look is very strongly influenced by sort of the Kardashian-Jenner clan, you yeah. know? It's a lot of strong fully drawn eyebrows complete full coverage foundation yeah, heavy contouring contouring highlighting and i just want to say if you're not into makeup this is still going to be an interesting episode we're not just going to talk yeah about yeah i like, just feel like i want to address this because yeah. um i wouldn't have i like makeup and i wouldn't have a reason to watch these people necessarily except that like i'm saying if you look up a review for like any makeup product your the youtube algorithm like the way it works is it sh it wants to show you things that it's found to be successful in the past when it shows them to other people so like if in the past it after someone watched the video you looked up the next video it showed them was like a jeffree star video who's one of these people we're going to talk about it's going to keep trying to like show that video to as many people right. as possible and so that's what i'm saying like these people will like pull you into like the algorithm and these oh, personalities like you watch a couple will pull you into their gravitational orbit yeah. through the algorithm. If you watch one or two makeup videos, yeah, in, yeah. You know? So that's I, that's they, why I kind of wanted to preface that and say like I'm part, also want to say like we're not talking about these people because we think they're just such great beauty gurus or whatever. Right. You know, like I think that I, I have a lot of qualms with the way that they. Um, define beauty or present beauty yeah. but but it's an interesting internet community so that makes it worthy of talking about and there's like a political situation going on that's very like identity politics based just to, to preview what we're going to yeah. talk about but like another thing about these youtubers is that they're some of they have to be some of the richest people on youtube oh yeah like short of the pauls yeah like well i think that they're well like the pauls have to come up with their own merchandise yeah 
these people are able to hawk merchandise for a truly massive industry that yeah. grows more and more massive every year yeah if you're the pauls that's like you're the unicorn you're the vloggers who can make that much money not, yeah not most vloggers are going to be able to do that but there have to be a dozen or two dozen beauty influencers who are pulling in oh, yeah. six figures seven figures yeah yeah i yeah. mean they have massive follower accounts yeah in the like something that's coming out because there was this personal feud with racist tweets is that is how much money people make mm -hmm. so the ones that have a few million uh followers can easily pull in 25 to fifty thousand for a video even up to a hundred thousand just for a single video mm -hmm. from one brand yeah not to mention they also have like paid sponsorships they have affiliate links yeah. um, and not all of that stuff is just it should be like legally they should be disclosing when they have affiliate links when they have paid sponsorships but they it's a really unregulated mm -hmm. industry yeah and as a result like there's like zero transparency and i think maybe that's one of the things we'll kind of get into more when we talk about authenticity and stuff like that which i assume will come up but um it means that people are able to haul in a fuck ton of money yeah. without you know any kind of regulation on the types of advertising they're doing essentially Apparently, it's like a wild wild west of advertising some of the brands want to pay beauty influencers to trash their opponents products yeah yeah and they'll pay extra for that like one influencer apparently like there's a closed private site where they go to meet brands and discuss like put out feelers for how much they charge for stuff mm -hmm. and to discuss one-on-one -on -one deals and one influencer was saying give me 25,000 to be mentioned in the video along with other products mm -hmm. 50 to 65,000 just to talk about your product alone for the video right S 75 to 80,000 to trash your opponent's product <laughs> I mean there you go yeah but there are real like people develop like real attachments like I it's another parasocial uh, oh yeah yeah but I'm talking about to the brands oh. like I for example um didn't previous to watching any of the stuff on YouTube like I didn't have any feelings about Tarte makeup um but if you watch like YouTube videos for a minute you'll find out that everyone is like obsessed with Tarte tape mm -hmm. sh shape tape which yeah. is a concealer that apparently everyone really loves except like I one time I was at like the makeup store and I tried it out just to see and it's like very thick like it's very full coverage like for me that's not but it looks better on video probably concealer I like well I think that Tarte has just invested a fuck ton mm. in YouTube but on the flip side of that there are Tarte competitors like I think Too Faced Cosmetics is like a real like direct competitor you know and I, I think that there are like YouTubers who are like Tarte people and YouTubers who are Too Faced people sure. you know and I can imagine that you know when she's saying that like there are, those are the types of companies where they're like really like you know trying to push each other out of the competition that are going to be the most kind of um, yeah. desirous of that type of advertising yeah so we should talk about the controversy i guess we so one of the one of the bit. richest of them all is jeffree star right and i was i was surprised you'd never heard of jeffree star because he was like the maybe the biggest uh, or second to tila tequila myspace star yeah ever i wasn't i mean i used myspace but i like really didn't use it that much yeah like i liked making up my page and like having my IRL friends be my like top eight 
But then beyond that, I like didn't really do anything yeah. with it. I just like changed the borders around. I don't know how I came across <laughs> yeah. you know, Jeffree Star's page. Well, it sounds like he was huge. I mean, yeah. And MySpace was so huge for like scene music. You yeah. Know? Like um, Warp Tour. Yeah. You know, metal. Yeah. Pop, pop punk metal songs. Yeah. yeah. Like and girls with two tone hair and like little yeah. bow clips. And, and Jeffree Star's thing was that he was a guy who did that basically. He was like, uh, like a really kind of strong and aggressive androgynous you know uh colored hair yeah i strongly recommend looking up all of these people that we're talking about especially because they are beauty bloggers i think it's worth like seeing how they present because i think that's also going to come in to play when we talk about this yeah i mean yeah well because okay well i guess i'll just come out with we're going to talk obviously about a lot of like their fan base right coming people losing fans, people gaining fans because of things they've said. And I think that one of the reasons that people have, we talked about parasocial relationships, obviously, obviously people have parasocial, parasocial, I've only had half a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) People have parasocial relationships with these people, right? Yeah. It's really easy to develop them with Jeffree Star too, because he seems so nice in his videos. Yeah. He's pretty charming. But also, I think that um, he existed for he exists as a type of parasocial friend that is rare in the sense that like he is androgynous he kind of presents as male and female like he is truly like mm-hmm. gender queer um and he's been doing it since like 2005 or yeah. 6 when and it was so a lot when people harder were like then. going on the internet and you know they couldn't find anyone else that looked like them here's this person who's on myspace who's on youtube who's on these like kind of underdog almost platforms right like um who they feel like they could almost get close to right like he on on like myspace he could be your literally like friend right like Mm -hmm. you know on youtube like he's telling you all the time how much he appreciates you and how he wouldn't be there without you and you guys have helped him through some really tough times and Mm. you know so like i I think and he has a lot of shit to open up about right he's had like difficulties in his life for sure so i think that like a really really strong parasocial bond develops between I think a lot of times like young kids who feel out of place or marginalized or are still seeking their identity um, or whatever, like are in some way feeling drawn to this person who um, they're not going to find someone like that in their community. They can't find someone like that in Michigan, in Ohio, in their rural town. Although he he is from a place like that, I think he is from like a... Oh, is he? Yeah. I mean, he's not from L.A. or New York or some shit, you know. He talks about being, like, a white trash yeah. kid. Yeah. And I think that's true of a lot of these beauty bloggers, especially when you see yeah. the types of racist stuff they tweeted. Yeah. So, like, Jeffree Star had a scandal going back years where people dug up old times of him using the N-word and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And he... I think in one of them he says something about throwing bleach on a black woman or acid on a black woman to bleach her skin and make her like look less bad or something. Yeah. It's like really heinous. I guess he said that that was part of some MySpace sketch that he was doing, but like a comedy sketch, but still it's like, yeah, it's not really, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't really make it better. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and he, since that, since that stuff, that was an older scandal and he's apologized and stuff. And I guess people 
tend to feel good about his apology and, and think that he is trying to not be like that or some shit. I don't know. But uh, there was a feud within the last month or two where he basically has had a ton of feuds with a ton of people. Like he yeah. had a makeup line with Kat Von D from that TV show. Inked or something? Miami Ink. Whatever. People know who Kat Von D is, yeah. especially if you like makeup. I mean, she does. She has a huge makeup brand. Yeah. Uh, so they had some feud. He's had feuds with other bloggers who were his friends or beauty influencers who were his friends. He, Yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of... That's the other thing is he, like, really cultivates those parasocial relationships by essentially, like, performing friendship mm. on camera, you know? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we're collaborating together. We're doing our makeup together. We're driving my brand new car together. He, like, Tati is another one. Of, she's we're not involved in this like scandal or whatever but she's another major youtuber and like they took like a private jet together to uh, las vegas and then they did their makeup on the plane together you know and like there's a real sense of like him like bringing you in to these friendships like you're just this silent person that's in the yeah. friendship circle yeah so then when there is a falling out you know yeah. fans take sides yeah yeah uh so a lot of the beauty influencers that he has feuded with started like hanging out together and making videos together mm -hmm. and then they kind of trash talked him unspecifically right? right uh they just like flipped off the camera and said something well, vague clearly referencing so him. there was they were i don't know they were all together celebrating something i think someone's like launch or something and um a few like weeks ago the kardashians put out a photo where they're all for like I think one of their the youngest one I think Kylie's 21st birthday and they're all flipping off the camera and they're like doing different things like one of them's winking one of them's I don't know sticking their tongue out whatever and so they took essentially the same type of photo where each of them is like doing the same type of face with and so the drama was that like some of them thought they were just recreating the Kardashian photo but then one of them tweeted it out with like a caption that was like better off without you yeah sort of thing yeah. yeah clearly people understood very quickly that it was about jeffree star yeah uh and as soon as his fans saw that jeffree star's fans they started digging through those makeup bloggers old again tweets. because i think they have very deeply formed parasocial relationships with him yeah. like it felt like a personal attack on them you know yeah, yeah. and also it feels like that's my ex-friend that's you know what i mean like totally the person who attacked is it feels like that you broke up your friendship with them too so totally yeah like uh so basically they went through and dug up old tweets of these people where they had said racist things or whatever um, because they're all pretty young, so they have Twitter accounts going back to, like, 2012 when they were in high school, and they didn't delete everything, so they, you know, just have tweets that have one or two likes yeah. where they said something racist, and the fans dug it up and whatever. But I wanted, that's something I wanted to talk about, that, like, I think, I think a, mosquito just a month or two back, I think it was on Chapo that maybe Felix was talking about, um, how, like, Trump is only the beginning of this like internet fan uh, internet fandom politics right mm. it's like just the iceberg tip and really like we're gonna see in the future and I think Hillary was, was equally as strong unfortunately mm -hmm. in the future we're gonna see more people that more politicians that have like this parasocial connection with fans 
and that drives their their brand and their politics and i think we're already seeing that a little bit and that's why some of the the tenor of the political discourse is the way it is because people aren't just fans of a politician they really feel like they're friends and connect mm. on a human level and when somebody trashes your friend yeah. you know that means they're bad there's no yeah. real gray well area. it's like a personal affront to you too because you you co-sign that person you know what i mean that's why you're yeah. friends that's why you're tight you approve of the things you like the way that person is so if someone else doesn't like your friend yeah then they might as well say i don't like you i mean i it, don't think that's a healthy way to look at friendship but i think that's the way <laughs> yeah. that a lot of people and especially like young un formed minds tend to look at friendship you know when you're really like especially when you're younger like when you're a teenager I think that that's like one of those that's why like friends it feels like they're like your whole world or like it's so important who you're friends with and who you're not you know because it's like fundamentally defines who you are in your little brain and And how and how you all read social relationships is like that and Trump fans and Hillary fans both just have that connection with their yeah you know yeah i mean we would get so frustrated and i still get frustrated when people start to talk about like whether or not they personally like bernie because it's like well i don't really care you know (laughs) i care about what he likes the policies that he supports you know that's what makes me like bernie but i don't care about his personal demeanor or whatever but I think that with, like, Hillary fans and whatever, I think a lot of people do that. It, honestly, like, I we, was thinking okay, about Okay, like, we, we met Bernie at that town hall. Mm-hmm. After the speech, you know, we didn't chat, but we, like, shook his hand and said we're fans, basically. And it was a small room of, like, 50 people. But I don't really even think about it that much. What I do think about sometimes is the stuff he said in that meeting, which we've talked about. But, like, people who went to fundraisers, who paid thousands of dollars to walk up in front of like a photo backdrop and get a photo with Hillary and shake her hand and just get the photo felt like they had this intense personal connection. Like people were writing, I I read in multiple think pieces back then in the 2016 election of women who had done that and felt this intense personal connection to her just because she like looked them in the eye and tried to remember their name. Yeah. You know, I was, um, I saw like, I don't know. I saw someone tweet something that made me think about how people... Oh, I think it was that Ana Navarro tweet where she was like, oh, it makes me happy to imagine that um, John McCain and Aretha Franklin are like hanging out in heaven together <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And I was like, oh my God, that's so fucking stupid. But, I but what I tweeted out was that um, it really... I was an only child. I, well, I am. And uh, <laughs> I spent a decent amount of time just like playing by myself. And I had, like, a lot of Barbies. I really liked Barbies. And I would spend, like, so much time putting on them, you know, their little outfits and then coming up with their names and their little storylines and the things that they were doing. And all of that, all, all of that time and energy I spent imagining the relationships and interpersonal dramas that they had with each other, that was all stuff that, you know, just happened, like, in my head, basically, and I just yeah, yeah. projected onto these I inanimate objects. I was 100% objects. the same way with Legos. Yeah. Well, that's like, it's like these people never grew out of that phase, you know? Yeah. They're, it's just instead of Barbies, they're just projecting it onto, like, images of Hillary on the flashing flickering yeah, yeah. TV screen, you know? <laughs> or it's people on the Cometown subreddit yeah. uh, shipping Nick and... Uh, Anna Kachun, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Um, 
but anyway so I think yeah people have these like very uh, deep attachments to these yeah. people and I don't think that's 100% bad even because it's it is a you know people talk I don't know it's a little bad because they these people like when they say like you've got to go out and buy this people really feel like they've got to go yeah, out and buy it's it it's dangerous I and just, uh, I think people are buying like a lot of makeup that they don't even necessarily need like when I see like how much stuff like gets reviewed every single week and like people are putting out like every single week like these are the must-have makeup products you've got to have this face powder you've mm-hmm. got to have this you know palette and every week there's like a new fucking palette um it it really strikes me as like completely unhinged consumerism that is like that there's a lot of you know people with this kind of parasocial relationship power that they're like they're pushing a lot of times like teenagers you know into just buying new palettes all the time so what i needed some more champagne okay you finish yours i haven't finished mine Oh, or do they both have a little bit? Okay, I guess we both. Maybe we've just been drinking each other's. No, I had mine down here until it was empty. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, what else should, I mean, we gotta move on to the rest of the discussion. Should we talk about the racist tweets? Well, yeah. You want to talk about some of the specifics? Or should we... Mostly I just want to talk over this pleasant sound so we can clear okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, it doesn't matter to me that much about the specifics of the tweets. I guess what... I think there's a few interesting things okay. I want to say about it. Okay. Do you want to point them out? Sure. Like, uh, I don't know if I have the tweets handy. I might. But the, what I was thinking was, like, you know, like Jeffree Star, most of these people come from white, trashy places, basically, for lack of a better term. You know, maybe it's rural. Maybe it's... It's just not coastal. It's not mm-hmm. New York. It's not L.A. Um, they're not major cities because it's the Internet. And yeah. especially because they got famous sort of before this. You could, this was even a possibility for like a career. Yeah. yeah. They've been for the most of the for part, a long time. Yeah. So it's people that it's it's mostly white. Actually, no, they're not mostly white people. Maybe a bare majority. No, there's slight majority. all kinds of people. I mean. Even One in this controversy, about the YouTube community is or beauty community is that it is truly diverse. Like, there are trans people, there are genderqueer people, there are black people, there yeah. are white people, there are Asian people, there are Latino people. One of the people, people like, with so-called racist tweets is trans, right? And I will say that I think one of the best things that these uh, various, like, because it is so diverse, like the number of times that beauty bloggers have called out cosmetics companies for having very poor shade ranges yeah. is like, and, th- and then companies like actually, because these people have so many followers yeah. actually listen and like up their shade ranges, which is like awesome because I mean, like people uh, think about that obviously in terms of the darker um, part of the spectrum and I think th- with good reason because that's always the part that gets shafted the most like is like a company will come out with like I don't know let's say seven shades and like five of them will be shades of white people and then there's like <laughs> you know two for people of color which is obviously terrible but also like if you're like a pale person like me who's like very pale and neutral like it 
it used to be so hard to find actually like makeup on the mm. lighter end of the scale too you know mm -hmm. like because essentially there was just this sense of like everyone is in these middle shades and I remember having friends who like basically got used to the idea that they should be tanner because they were buying tan tanner makeup mm. than their skin tone you know yeah. like well when we were growing up that was the thing you know true. everybody had to be tan not me. No. <laughs> I can't. Only girls, anyway. I know, but I'm just saying, like, I physically cannot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, in in these non-coastal parts of America, people do use um, racial epithets. And yeah. It's not always connected to, like, an ideological racism or a strong commitment to even a difference between the races. Like, the one trans girl... Uh, her last name is Dragon with a U. Nikita Dragon. Nikita Dragon. Her tweets that people dug up are just the sort of like digital blackface of like a 16 year old mm -hmm. who was saying uh, the N word with a. Yeah, with she an was a. like, LOL, look at this N word wearing these glasses or whatever. It's like her <laughs> yeah. friend. Like it was yeah. like a Insta, like posted to Twitter and Instagram, and it's like a photo of her friend in glasses. And like, yeah. she's obviously like joking. And I actually watched a video where she talked a little bit about that, and she said that, like, um, basically, like, at the time, after she posted that on her Instagram, like, this was, like, before she had any, like, real followers on YouTube, that she had friends who were black who told her, like, no, that's not okay, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. And so she had changed it. So, like, on Instagram, she changed it to, like... I don't know, like, look at this guy wearing those glasses or whatever. Or bitch, because that's okay. <laughs> whatever, yeah. Um, and she had, like, talked to those friends and apologized and, like, you know, felt like she'd learned from it. But then, um, because when you instant, when you tweet on, like, if you attach your Twitter and Instagram and it tweets out the caption, it doesn't update it afterwards on Twitter, obviously, right? Because sure, it's yeah. already a tweet that's oh, just been see, posted. Okay. So that tweet exists even though I mean, that's, the Instagram, yeah. I'm not, I'm just Whatever. saying like, it's well, just, it's not that bad in the first place. Whereas Laura Lee's tweets, yeah, she had one after I think Trayvon Martin got shot or even a more recent one where she was like, LOL, if black people could pull their pants up, they could run away from the cops faster. Like that is unforgivable. <sighs> that's <Yeah>. awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but uh, in the story, unless you read into it a little deeply, you just think that all these racist tweets are, like, on the same level. Mm -hmm. So it ends up where you're just, like, weaponizing identity against a trans girl on behalf of a rich white man, That's Jeffree what, Star. Yeah. Well, I mean, he sort of identifies as just Jeffrey, <laughs> And then he's like, call me he, call right, me right. she, That's call me true. whatever. Um, I know I'm being reductive, but yeah, no. Well, I think I mean that's what made me want to talk about this with you because it made me feel like these politics are. It really exposes sort of the emptiness of the politics of wokeness, I guess you know, um, and I think that you're right. Like it does, you know, you're being a tiny bit reductionist, but it does essentially reduce to that, and it it does essentially like come out to be like a story about people um because like the, oh because okay so the other thing that happened is that that guy who posted that photo where they were sh like being shady towards jeffrey was it manny mua no that was uh gabby 
fuck, I forget his last name. I don't know, Gabby something. Zamorella, Z- oh, Zamora, yeah, 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 yeah. something like that. Z- Zamorella, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, he we'll also posted a tweet afterwards saying, can you imagine standing for a racist? Like, I could never, blah, blah, blah. And then people dug up a bunch of his tweets where he was being racist or saying when racist When he said, shit. can you imagine standing for a racist, he meant Jeffree Star. Yeah. Because he's like, I know him in real life. He still says racist shit. Yeah. 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 Um, because people were, yeah, people were saying, well, he's apologized for that. And he was saying, no, no, no. Like, I, he still says racist shit or whatever. And, like, basically, it was just this this clusterfuck of people using woke performative politics as weapons yeah. against each other in a really cynical way. And then other people pointing out that you are a deeply cynical person who, you know doesn't actually believe the shit that you're saying yeah, otherwise yeah. you w- you wouldn't have these said these things in the yeah. past yeah it's that's true they were just literally only using them as weapons to no greater end than yeah. to tear each other down yeah yeah and it just i think and i see, but that happens in leftist discourse all the time yeah. too especially around uh disability well m- only uh, well because mainly we're because all of that. One because guy, we're all on yeah. the same page yeah. on the left of things that we're not going to say. Yeah. But that's the most, like, newest one. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But it happens around a bunch. Of, I mean, there's. I've seen people whip out, like, all kinds of privilege that I, I question the existence of, but that people, you know, use it to say, like, to essentially, you know, act like they're woker than thou, you know, and therefore... I don't know, you should listen to me and not this other person because I, you know, basically, I mean, honestly, it is being wielded as a weapon in those instances, too, because essentially what they're doing is they're saying, like, I, you don't want to get on the wrong side of me because I'll make you look like an ableist or a racist or whatever. And that's like the worst thing you can be in our newly woke society, you know, totally. And what happened was that the Zamorello... Gabby, just call him Gabby. Okay, Gabby made a a video that appeared to be more heartfelt. Yeah. Probably it was, but what matters is appearance, where he apologized to Jeffree Star. Yeah, wearing, like, no makeup, you know, like, fully dressed down. Yeah, and now... Because he's being authentic, you know. And he's the only one from the scandal who has gained followers. Everybody else has lost followers, which means they've lost tens of thousands of dollars, at least... And because he was obsequious to Jeffree Star, he gained followers. Yeah. Like well, it really has I'm nothing to do you, with this. The people language. that have formed parasocial relationships with Jeffree Star, he was doing it before yeah. all of them. He's been doing it the longest. Yeah. He basically created a space for people who felt marginalized or left out by society or ugly or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that those he has the strongest fan base essentially. And like yeah. when they poked that bear they weren't really ready for (laughs) what they were gonna get yeah you know i told you i was reading um a couple francis fukuyama interviews Mm -hmm. because i guess he has a new book coming out um so francis fukuyama wrote the end of history and the last man it was um articles in a kind of small magazine but they kind of blew up around 92 because he was writing about oh the soviet union has fallen now it's it's the end of history in the sense that we have achieved oh, the Soviet the Union's fallen. Now it's lit. <laughs> that's what I like you're about to say. <laughs> uh, well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's accurate. <laughs> that's what he's wrote. Uh, basically, you know, 
it's the end of the history and this is the last man, this democratic capitalist man. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate human form of organization. So yep. now all that's left totally is to... Totally solid. Yeah, permeate the rest of the globe. Right. And uh, he hasn't totally walked that back. Um, he has a little bit in the sense that he kind of thinks he was still right, but <laughs> not in the way that like it's inevitably going to happen. Right. Um, but anyway, he had some really smart and perceptive things to say in his interviews and uh like i learned that he is actually very familiar with the sort of left-wing post-structuralist cultural marxist if you want to call mm. it that discourse because he studied under a lot of those guys so um like he knows what he's talking about and he said that he thinks identity politics is a problem um not because of like an, an unfair climate on college campuses he's basically said that's a myth mm. like he talked to charles murray when he came to his school, uh, he teaches at S Stanford, and Charles Murray told him, yeah, like, that happened at Middlebury, but that's basically the only place I've yeah. had trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Charles Murray's an opportunist, you know? Sure. So he'll play that up. Of course. But, um, so Francis Fukuyama doesn't really think that's the main problem with identity politics. He thinks the problem is that it papers over class difference. Mm. And if a fucking conservative like yeah. that can see that, yeah. you know, the rest of us should. So, like, don't get wrapped up in this squabble over millionaires about what words they should, should, should say. <laughs> yeah, or more importantly, don't get wrapped up in squabble, squabbles over who's woker in your DSA group yeah. or Facebook group or Twitter or whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are all impediments to solidarity building at the end of the day, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, who cares about rich YouTubers? But for us, like, you know, as leftists who want to change the world like don't worry like if someone you know i don't know maybe says something says someone's crazy you don't have to immediately jump to the conclusion that they're ableist right, right. or whatever like i mean i remember uh organizing for a big conference uh big um like environmental cri uh, crisis now a big environmental conference and we were like talking about making sure that they're like safe spaces um because sexual assault happens at conferences like i know people think safe space is a joke but it's actually <laughs> a good idea to have one um and talking about making sure that we had like um non-binary bathrooms and stuff like that and someone while we were like because we were like online chatting as we were organizing um and someone had typed in the word lame in the chat and then like later after the call it became a big fucking deal and that like impeded our organizing yeah. because lame is an ableist term and we can't say that because we're making somebody but nobody by the way was actually <laughs> <Yeah>. like disabled <laughs> that was yeah. offended or even on the call or whatever but because you know somehow we're like leaving people out so it's just you know it just became a big impediment instead of like us being able to focus on the thing the the positive things we were trying to do we had to instead focus on like these you know ephemeral this ephemeral moment you know of, like a type chat <laughs> in yeah, like yeah. a you know pirate pad <laughs> thing like yeah yeah I think, uh, I mean, if you want to take a second, and I'm not saying, you know, abandon your values or these things don't matter, but, like, don't let them get in the way. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. you know, not all racism is don't the same. Don't condemn people for it. 
Yeah, it's true. You not know? all racism is the same, and most racism is not deeply held. I hate the idea that racism is prejudice plus power. Because there are people out there like fucking Jeff Sessions with ideological racism. Yeah. Who think we need to defend white culture or Western culture. Or immigrants are going to come here and ruin this country. Right? That's ideological racism. That's a conviction. There are... But prejudice, like, uh, you know, I told you there was a girl in my high school who was like, my parents aren't racist. They just don't trust black people because they got mugged by a black person once, you know? Like, that's... That's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. But that's not ideological racism. That is prejudice. Yeah. And it, like, you know, if they were CEOs of a company and they used that power and prejudice to discriminate against people, like, that's a form of racism. But it's totally different from an ideological commitment to furthering, like, the white race or some shit. Yeah. And, uh, like, Nikita Dragon, who had the tweets where she was like saying the n-word with the soft a mm. was like uh look i said that six years ago when i was a teen boy and now i'm an adult woman yeah. i have changed yeah yeah <laughs> gone through some drastic transformations yeah. and i grew up in a part of the country you know untouched by the coasts and coastal mm. culture where like you know the way back in the day we all used to say gay um as some as just like a general negative term mm. it wasn't when you would say something was gay it, it wasn't really like, tied to the idea that being gay was bad. No. Was I just, mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess know, it was. I know, I Because it, it was a negative, but it had it nothing to a, do with... Yeah. And, yeah, we shouldn't say that, obviously. Yeah. But um, people use the N-word that way in those regions of the country yeah. and here in Texas. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah. Like, uh, and that is not a racism that runs very deep at all. There well, is racism in like, the South that runs very deep. And yeah. that is a much bigger problem. Yeah. Well, and on the flip side, though, okay, like, I grew up in Columbus in a pretty affluent community, and you grew up in rural Youngstown, or, like, outside of Youngstown, yeah. and I grew up in, like, a very uh, heavily Republican community. Like, everybody voted for George W. Bush. I, I had a lot of friends whose parents donated decent sums of money to his campaigns, um, you know, who definitely were, like, pro-amending the Constitution in Ohio to be, like, anti-gay marriage, uh, a, a marriage amendment that said yeah. marriage is only between a man and a woman, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, all that kind of shit. Uh, and, but, no one ever said any racial slurs, right? <laughs> so, like, um, I literally, like, learned, t like, terms for like racial slurs basically in my minorities class in high school when my mm. teacher was like going through them like I'd never heard anybody use any of those terms but um when I went to like hang out with your friends one of them just threw out the n-word right <laughs> yeah. and I was like oh, oh my god and I mean I, I was like offended like I was like whoa like but when I think I mean he was not I would say he was not racist, but also, um, he, like, what kind of power did he have That's to, true, like, yeah. affect the world, you know? So he said <clears throat> the N-word, so what? Yeah. There were people who weren't saying any racial slurs in my community, but were, like, active fundraisers and funders <laughs> for George W. Bush war yeah. criminal, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like, and the uh, guy who let a lot of people die in Katrina, a lot of black people. Yeah. You know, so it's like, whereas in my area, up until Trump, we voted Democrat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So it's like, and you know, what, what, how meaningful is it that you say the, it is like, I mean, it does kind of, I think, betray that there is a sense of like respectability politics to all of this too, yeah, right? Yeah. Because I kind of felt like, I mean, I'm a little ashamed to say it now, but at the time I did kind of feel like, whoa, I guess that's what like, you know, like lower class people say, you know, mm -hmm. Be, like uncultured people or I don't yeah. know, something like that, because it just like, it shocked me like well i had to go through the same thing growing up because i didn't grow up in a family where we would yeah do something of course like that, yeah know? i i remember using the word uh gay that way once and my dad very he's you know a pretty quiet guy but mm -hmm. he very sternly and strongly told me like there's nothing wrong with being gay or something like that. mm -hmm. that's not an insult don't say that like mm -hmm. it's an insult and uh i mean it affected me and i never did um and it would make me uncomfortable when my friends did but <laughs> um, I only had white friends. Some of my friends who would say these things had black friends. Yeah. Had gay friends before I did. Like I mean, I think that kid's mom had a black boyfriend, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's not like, unlike me, like, I had, like, zero contact with black people. Yeah, yeah. It's but funny I was, when like, you... deeply offended. But yeah. he, like, interacts with a black person in his home on, a, like, an intimate basis. And yeah. yet... You know. you know, obviously there is a lot of racism too, and those um, like d jokes and that language gives a cover for it and does yeah, let it fester. Definitely. But if you drag up, dredge up tweets from somebody from six years ago where they use the wrong words, you know, it isn't necessarily that meaningful. Yeah, I mean that's the thing that was like exposed by all of this is like, oh my God, Jeffrey Star is racist. But then it turned out by that standard, they're all racist. <laughs> yeah, that's you so know? funny. Yeah. Like every single one of the people in that photo yeah. had tweets with the N word. You know, which, what was a really I mean, bad people one need too? to stop using that word for God's sakes. I don't know one why of, that's so hard. But <laughs> one of those beauty bloggers was uh, making fun of his uber driver for not speaking english oh yeah but he was latino yeah <laughs> yeah his name is manny gutierrez <laughs> i know yeah people are complicated you know that's the thing um i could give another recommendation that's kind of relevant i watched two videos about princess mononoke on youtube two video essays um actually there's three so there's the one from innuendo studios where he talks about uh, Lady Eboshi was wrong. She's the villain. Um, there's one from Pause and Select that's new where he interviews somebody who did like a dissertation about Mono Mononoke. And then there's a third video we watched a while back. I think it was, um, uh, who's that one guy? We were just like, oh, why hasn't he put out any videos yet? That Zhenji guy? No. What's oh, his Big Joel? Big Joel, yeah. Doesn't he have a video about Miyazaki and ambiguity? I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, think and the thing you get in Mononoke is that the villains are not really bad people. Yeah. The villain is this woman who um, has taken in the dregs of human society, the lepers, the prostitutes, the downtrodden people, and made this really prospering society. But she is ruthless in conquering the forest and she is um, eradicating all these ancient life forms that are there in ancient spirits because it's a Ghibli movie. So there's like these forest spirits and stuff. So y the main character sees both sides. He spends time in the village and he spends time in the forest and he c comes to understand the motivations of all people involved and understands that they're not bad people, but the villain is still wrong yeah. because she's eradicating these life forms for good yeah. instead of making any attempt to really uh, coexist she's only looking out for her people but she's still wrong right 
Um, and I think we have to approach people uh, on those terms, you know? Mm. Yeah, for we sure. We have to be aware of complexity and ambiguity. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at because it's like, I mean, listen, you can look through all my tweets and you'll <laughs> say the end words. I'm yeah. not saying like these people need to be forgiven or. I'm not even saying it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like maybe we should be more clear about that yeah. just to really be, yeah, crystal clear. I don't care <laughs> about these people. Um, I just find it interesting that even for so with so much money uh, as incentive to be like as clean and, you know, good and woke, because I think people like ex do expect these people to be woke because they have these parasocial relationships with them. And a lot of them are trans or immigrants mm -hmm. or, you know, poorer people who have become more wealthy. Yeah. And there's a lot of non-white people. Like you yeah. Said. So people, ex and, and they're becoming their friend, they're your friend, you identify with them, you co-sign them. So then to find out that, you know, they really like fell flat on their face you know, <laughs> yeah. is uh is a little horrifying and you know i think it just yeah it doesn't matter like whether you want to watch i don't know more jeffree star after this or not but i just think it's like worth taking a look at as like a really high profile example of the fact that um you know there is these these woke ideals these identity politics can be used um, so cynically and mm -hmm. weaponized so easily, yeah. and they they can like tear down, you know, all like anyone really. All these top yeah. people who spent so much time cultivating these deep, close relationships with their fans, you know, who have uplifted a lot of people too you know like i said and done good in the beauty community done good by making it acceptable for you know like jeffree star to be someone who you know still is like presents as sort of both male and female to like go out in public or whatever i mean we watched that uh, shane dawson video with him where he talks about like how he even just like eight you know eight years ago or something um how he used to be like screamed at in public and stuff yeah, like yeah. that you know um and how much how just much more difficult his life was because there just wasn't that much representation like for people like him and um so even with all of that you know these people can be torn down through these politics and and it transfers to the other side so easily in this like true. twisted mirror image of true you know uh what's wrong with being white there's nothing wrong with being white yeah if it's okay for the japanese man to have his own nation why can't the white man have his own nation? right right know? or if it's so important for um you know a trans person to be like represented well why shouldn't you know i like trade off the fact that i'm a cis hetero person because people like me need to be represented too or whatever mm -hmm. you know like yeah. We why why don't we have a white pride day? You know, right, why is it right. okay to say black pride but not white pride? Right, or celebrate black identity but not white identity, yeah. or Asian identity, or whatever Indian identity. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would be a specific country, probably. But <laughs> yeah, which doesn't have that much to do with makeup on YouTube. <laughs> no, no, I don't think there's any solidarity <laughs> on YouTube at all. 
Uh, although one thing that is so funny to me about it is how insistent they are that it's the beauty community mm -hmm. and these are beauty influencers. They're not even gurus. Mm. You don't say guru mm -hmm. because that's more hierarchical. Mm. But you have this illusion of uh, more ho horizontal. Well, we just saw one of the beauty influencers come to Jeffree Star's house to do Shane Dawson's makeup. And um, he starts all of his videos by saying, hi, sisters. <laughs> so it's even closer. We're not even <laughs> friends. We're sisters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really are good at manipulating that parasocial relationship vibe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, it's not just like that they're doing their makeup. A lot of them, like the uh, really popular categories, get ready with me, which is essentially where they sit down and do their makeup. And instead of talking, like doing a tutorial where they teach you how to do what they're doing, they're talking about like their lives, um, you know, how their relationship is going, if they're having a bad day. I've seen like more than one time you know someone cry directly into the camera while talking about their personal life you know and it's like we're empathetic creatures mm -hmm. like when you see another person crying like you're gonna have like those mirror cells or whatever going off in your brain that are like oh wow i empathize with that i know what yeah. that feels like and i've experienced this person doing this what is normally a deeply personal thing done between friends <laughs> so it's kind of cool know, i like it i don't think it's cool at all i like it i think it's cool I think it's really creepy. i think um that's kind of what I had in mind a little bit ago when I said, you know, this parasocial media. Because you, you were talking about the consumerism aspect, and I said, well, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Um, and you, you, d you thought I was talking about the consumerism aspect or something, but I was just talking about the media form in general. I think it's Roger Ebert who has a pretty famous quote about movies that they're empathy machines. Mm -hmm. But, you know, reality TV, uh, yeah. YouTube is even more so an empathy machine. Like, yeah. Um, and in some ways it feeds on it in a sick way, but if you could take all the numbers out of social media, take the money out of social media, then I don't think it would be as sick. I don't think it would be as exploitative. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah. I mean, that, I, I guess that's also a get rid of capitalism kind of vibe because otherwise, yeah. I mean, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, but I think there, it is, it is good. And in a way, you know, I don't think political correctness can ever really run amok because it's a, a process of extending empathy to every corner of society. It just yeah. gets like misguided or not used as good as it could be. And well, obviously there are like different forms of potential the, identity. Yeah. Politics. I think the problem is when in an effort to be empathetic to one group, you like, specifically like put down one person that's, for that's not true. using the right language or yeah. whatever you know when you get overly punitive yeah yeah that's yeah. true that's just a problem yeah that's not defensible because i don't think there's anything wrong with saying yeah don't say anyone's gay even like crazy or lame i do try to like limit that sometimes it's hard i mean it is hard but I, I do. Maybe I'm just old. There's a part but of me. I know, but there's a. I listen. I'm not saying we're not I'm even good that old. It. I just feel. Like and I'm sure you'll hear me say lame on this podcast again. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I'm just saying like I understand the argument and I appreciate that we want to, like, be as welcoming to as many people as possible. And you know, when I don't know someone's backstory, I don't think that it's a bad thing to like. I don't know, try to be considerate, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, that's just, like, that is also basic empathy and just being a nice, normal human, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
a mutual online once said I shouldn't use the phrase crippling debt. Okay. And I rolled my eyes at first, but like she did it nicely in yeah. the midst of a different conversation. And then I realized, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can just say crushing one. or yeah, whatever. Yeah, crushing is you know? equally as yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. I could just say crushing. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, I get it and I'm down to try, but I'm also not down, like, I'm not into being like super punitive about it, you know? I think like everyone deserves empathy, you know? And that, to me, that's a big part of hopefully the the left the socialist movement you know is that we are empathetic people who see other people suffering and that's part of of course we have our own problems but we see other people suffering there's always someone suffering worse than you in this terrible world <laughs> you know, <laughs> there shouldn't be but there is so you know i think we see that we see someone even lower and worse and struggling harder and that makes you want to change things because it's just not it's not fair you know and i think like if that is a part of our ideology then you know we should extend that (laughs) to people who fuck up and say the wrong word (laughs) i think that's the most underrated part of human nature is being upset when something's not fair that's what every two or three year old is obsessed with right oh but have you seen the there's not just that there's like those experiments the monkey where it's like one monkey, <laughs> yeah, the video they give so him funny. like a grape, uh, and the, then they keep giving the other monkey a grape, like I don't know, like over and over and over, and then they give I don't know the second monkey like a cucumber or something, and the monkey just looks at him like with like disdain in its eye, just chucks the cucumber back <laughs> at the experimenters. Like, what is this shit? <laughs> like, you offend me with this. Yeah. It's yeah. like we understand on a very basic, basic level that it's not Fairness, fair. Not yeah. just that, like, look at, try giving, if you have like two dogs, try giving one of them a treat and see um, how the other one acts, yeah, you know? Tough. I mean, you can't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They know. And it's not fair to treat uh, Nikita Dragon the same as you treat Laura Lee. <laughs> one of them is clearly worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even read that deep into it, but yeah, it sounds pretty bad of what the Laura Lee girl was saying that's pretty unforgivable but yeah. you know I don't know I think it's fine if people I mean this is kind of like I, I think was you still need empathy for her I'm just joking yeah yeah but it's just like she deserves to lose money and lose followers for, for yeah totally her tweets yeah I mean that's, I was like joking about the Louis C.K. thing but I mean I think like it is unfortunate that he didn't just like you know try to spend some time out of the spotlight and like learn from what you did you know like because i think that that's the other thing is like that we talked about a little bit but like these other youtubers like jeffrey star and that other kid gabby or whatever like they've seemingly at least tried to learn something from their mistakes and fans or whoever watched mm-hmm. their videos they're desperate to learn from their mistakes and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny okay but they were able to convince fans that they have right? some of them but some of them are too desperate <laughs> too i know desperate but i'm saying like jeffrey like... star and gabby specifically oh, yeah, yeah, like definitely. um so they were able to convince their fans and they're they're <clears throat> doing okay as a result of that yeah you know but if like you know louis ck or some of these other makeup youtubers or whatever it's just clear that you don't actually believe you should be taking a time out or learning anything or whatever then 
yeah, you're, you know, you deserve empathy, but you're making it fucking hard. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Sam Chris disappeared a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. That left wing writer, blogger. Yeah. Because he had sort of some. He wasn't accused of, like, rape, but he was accused of some, like, Aziz and sorry level shit. Oh, really? And he just gave a very unequivocal apology and just bowed out. Well, you know? that's probably okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't fucking... If, if you, you don't need, need to, to live to be, in the spotlight. Yeah, yeah you don't if need you to need be on it Twitter. so bad, like... Yeah. You need to examine that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like... If nothing Louis else. CK, you have a fuck ton of money. You have a family. Go live your life, man. Like... Yeah. You what? You need to go do a few minutes of stand up for your life. How to be dumb complete? are you? Just executive produce some shit for women comics <laughs> and reappear in five years. Yeah, like, or just like or start not. showing up and like sitting quietly in the back of like you know female comics sets and just like applaud quietly and then leave. You know, <laughs> and just do, do that. that. 10 times. Yeah, like show some goddamn <laughs> contrition. Like try to show that you. First of all, it's like a workplace safety issue. Try to show that, like, wh- you can be around women without doing that. To them. <laughs> <laughs> is he Catholic? Uh, I think he is. Oh. Probably. See, I he wanted looks to say, Irish. I know, right? But I wanted to say our country's too Protestant. He needs to do penance. Mm. I want to tie that into every episode now that our country's right. too Protestant. Right. Yeah. As a former Catholic and former Eastern Orthodox. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can do that. Okay. Cool. I think we've rambled on long. Yeah, enough. I don't know how long it's been because it's dark out here. Yeah. I can't see the mic. I think we're gonna have to cut some of this. I feel like we just probably really went for it. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice being outside. It is nice being outside. Makes I think me that's want part of the why we just kept talking. It makes me want to have a cigarette because we're like oh, outside yes. with a drink. We're talking. No. 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 <laughs> we're not having cigarettes. We're no. not. We'll vape. We'll buy a vape for <laughs> these occasions. That's gross. Actually, it's just, it's so lame looking. I just can't. It's healthier. It's absolutely not healthier. It is absolutely healthier. What? Absolutely. It's like, no, dude, I was like reading about, um, jewels. I know, they put more nicotine in. It's like a specific type of nicotine that makes, it like, doesn't hurt your tummy as bad, but it absorbs like faster into your body so yeah, but it's not it gets you like addicted faster but it's not the nicotine that gives you cancer i mean are you sure <laughs> yes <laughs> i don't know either way i'm ugh, gross now also like vape culture is just so hideous and it's such a consumerist culture it's a bit like you know comic book culture or something like that people are always like buying more accessories and accoutrements and shit for their goddamn vapes and they're buying juices. That's the way we consume everything in the internet age. We were just talking about that. I know, but it's like... I don't know. I try to limit that. I'm not great at limiting it in some ways, but I do try to like... You know, like I will buy you know, more gym gear than I realistically need and I definitely have more makeup than I actually need. Um, but I do try to like be really conscious of it when I'm doing it, you know, and like really try to think about like, okay, do I really need another blush? (laughs) (laughs) I'm too indecisive. This like culture of always needing the newest thing. Yeah. Looking everything up, researching it. 
Yeah. It doesn't make me a better consumer. It yeah. makes me a less frequent consumer because I just well, invest so much time into, on though, looking at Well, the things are like a little more expensive whereas like with makeup like That's true. it's such a big industry that like there's a price point for everyone. Yeah. You know, there's literally like NYX or Wet n Wild cosmetics that are like 99 cents, $5, <laughs> you know. And yeah. then there's cosmetics that are that's true man at, 40 dollars at some point for, like you, a tiny thing if you're like 40 minutes into watching a review about which five dollar product you should buy yeah. you just gotta realize you should give up and, <laughs> yeah just buy whatever well strikes buy your one. fancy at the grocery store and move on with your life yeah. but yeah it, well i'm just saying like it's easier to do an impulse purchase when it's like oh well this is a blush that's just five bucks or whatever you know yeah so but then i like I feel like in the last few years, I've accumulated a lot more makeup than I used to own. And I, I do think about that sometimes. I'm like, I really have to stop buying makeup until I use some of this shit. <laughs> Which, that's the thing about makeup is, like, you will never finish using it. You, they sell you so much more makeup in any single product that you could, like, use a blush compact for, like, years and never finish it, you know? <laughs> anyway... Hey, this is Adam uh, and Medita. So we thought, so we thought we should cap this off uh, with some just some clarification that uh, you know we're not like super anti-identity politics or anything necessarily. Um, we don't want to say that race and gender and oppressions like that are reducible to class, or that if we just address class, all those problems will go away. Um, it's just you know this this podcast where we're talking about beauty YouTubers is not <laughs> <laughs> the place to have a full robust discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should just cut now to us like rambling in three different previous attempts about like Kambahid <laughs> river collective, yeah. essentialism, intentionality. Yeah, this is like our fourth attempt yeah. <laughs> to just have a little summary at the end. To... Yeah. We've stem addressed off. a lot of things before this effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just want to say that and that like, but we also don't believe, you know, racism is like inherent to being human or anything no. like that. That's such a pessimistic, nihilistic view. If that's the case, then, you know, liberalism probably is the best you can do where people are individuals with rights, right? Unless you... I just think it doesn't matter. Like, we can't, it's unknowable whether we're inherently racist or not. Yeah. So let's just say we're not and do our best not to be because functionally that's the best thing for all people and move <laughs> but on. But even if like, humans have like an inherent in-group out-group bias like a lot of stupid conservatives say um, that doesn't have to be along racial or gender lines or anything like oh yeah, so we think racism and gender are you know historical contingencies they're products of the the way humans have lived in this specific historical moment in this simulation in this simulation <laughs> yeah other simulations are different and uh you know they propagate through social reproduction so there is room for representation and things like that you know we're not against changing the way we talk or we're not against diversity i think those do have actual material benefits in the world it's just that they're not sufficient you know? yeah and that ultimately the important thing isn't um isn't like 
I don't want to say celebrating, that's not the right word, but like, like identity politics sort of forces you to celebrate your individual oppressions in a way, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's not a way to change anything. That's just like, you know, oppression Olympics, like race to the bottom kind of mentality. Obviously, a much more empowering uh, way to look at those individual identities is through the links between the oppressions that we face, right? Yeah, through solidarity across oppression. Yeah, and that's why, like, I think in the episode, I was worried that it sounded like maybe we just glossed, like, I think there's a part where I say something like, well, obviously the plight of an Indian worker is different than the plight of a white worker, and we can address that through solidarity. And I think that that's true, and that could be sufficient, but in the context of a conversation where we spent, like, 15 minutes talking about my beauty philosophy, (laughs) it seemed like we weren't, we were, it sounds like we're flattening it. Yeah. And we're, like, drinking champagne on the porch, and, you know, (laughs) there's night sounds, and ASMR. So I just want to make sure that, like, people realize that, like, we think that's, like, that we're not dismissing it, that we're not flattening that issue, that it's very important. It's just such a big issue that every time we've even tried to address it in this little end yeah. cap to the episode, we start a whole new episode of the podcast, It's basically. true, yeah. And, you know, it's something we think about a lot, even though we're white, we still think it's good to think about. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> also, we're, you know, socialists. Like, you have to, you can't not think about it. Um, and our ideas, I'm sure, change over time. Yeah. And if you think we said something wrong, reach out. We're on Facebook. That's true. We're on Twitter. Yeah, this is always meant to be a conversation, too. Like, so conversations are places where you work through thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of hope no one ever takes any of our podcasts as super declarative, even when maybe it sounds like we're speaking from an authoritative position, because we're really, that's why we're having these conversations. I think the only thing we're so committed to that we'd say it's declarative is that you shouldn't be overly punitive with people when they often don't realize what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be overly punitive with us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm on Twitter at Bone Camaro. Libitza runs that Cold Pizza Party account. Which is also my personal account. So there'll be like retweets of cute baby foxes and things. (laughs) So if you're going to follow, just know. (laughs) Yeah. And we're on Facebook and whatnot. Uh, Follow us on iTunes. Look out for YouTube videos in the future. Maybe if we keep saying that, we'll follow through and make some. Yeah. Um, we both we both have some ideas now, so maybe we'll yeah. actually make it happen. We can get a little bit of gear and stuff. First, yeah, but... and uh, I'm we should gonna... create a like PayPal account or a Venmo account, <laughs> so people can like Venmo us some money for gear. Maybe okay. I'd... Anyway, maybe We're not gonna... we'll talk. Okay. <laughs> I think once we have YouTube videos, maybe we could. If we have successful YouTube videos, maybe we'll look at doing a, a Patreon or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But for now, this podcast is and remains uh, no gods, no masters, no Patreons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm going to play some music by this Australian artist that I found on a Bandcamp blog that I'm really in love with now called Rabbit Island. Um, And that is going to take us out. Cool. Thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back soon. We love you. Drive safe. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.